Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Chuck Blair, great to have you folks here today. Welcome to our studio audience and welcome as well to our audience all over the place who's watching us online today. And whether you're watching us live or whether you're watching us archived, whatever day of the week you may be watching us, it's wonderful to have you here today. And what we're looking at today is, is this idea of what is my purpose and why does that matter? And, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, purpose, and, and so much of our lives are around this idea, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week, you know, what do you desire? Which is a great question, right? Who doesn't want to lean into that? What do you desire? But then there's this other part to the question, how do you know you're desiring the right thing? Right? How do you know you're desiring the right thing? What I desire is a cheeseburger. Is that always the right thing? How do we figure out what is the right thing to desire? And then how do we allow purpose to help us move through that? Now, this series is, is one that we've been thinking about and planning for a long time. And it's a great way to start off 2023. And we're going to do this in a number of ways. We're going to have a series. It's going to be a three-part series where we look at different elements of it. Today, we're looking at the spiritual component of it. And you're also going to have the opportunity, if you want, and this is a wonderful opportunity for those of you, especially online, to join us for a small group program of three weeks at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday group starts January 18th, Thursday group starts January 19th. Folks, these small groups are some of the best things you can get involved in. They're a wonderful way to connect with people. We get to connect with people all over the country, people from all kinds of different, different places, different cultures, different, different, uh, different stages of life. And we get together and we share. And we have this conversation about what is it that purpose actually looks like. I know the last batch, we had people from Hawaii. We had people from Florida. We had people from California. We had people from New Hampshire. We had people from all over. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. So all you have to do is to go on our homepage. You can enroll there. Groups, again, the groups have been filling up, and we cap it at 25, so I would, I would urge you to do it somewhat rapidly at some point in time today, and really just settle in and just enjoy. Again, it's three hours. That's it. Roughly an hour each time, and it's, it's an opportunity people just love, and you're more than welcome to join us for that. So, so let's get started, folks, on, on this idea of purpose. You know, what is my purpose, and looking at it spiritually, and what can all of that mean? So, so I think about this, what is my purpose question, and, and it's, it starts here with this basic point, real important here, you were made on purpose. There is no accident in you. You were made on purpose, and you were ready for this. You not only were, were, were made on purpose, you were made for purpose. Now, what does that mean? Well, in our particular denomination, we talk a lot about, and this is it's a very theological term, very heady term, the doctrine of use. And what that's about is, is how do you see yourself being useful in the world? How do you see yourself contributing? Where are your gifts? How can you give those gifts? You know, God gives you these gifts, and the big part about God's gift is he writes this really nice little card where he says, this gift is just for you. Pass it on. So it's this idea that with our gifts, we're always moving them forward and we're always receiving, receiving them as well. And it just creates this beautiful sort of loop of giftedness. And I'd ask you folks to think about it this way. This is an interesting concept around purpose, around usefulness. 
which is, which is we live in a culture, I, I know this because, you know, having, having taught school for so long, having taught high school and, and guest lecturing in colleges, et cetera, is, um, you know, it's so easy to ask somebody, well, what kind of, what job do you want to do? What do you really love doing? Great question. Great place to start. But purpose and usefulness have a little bit of a different add-on there. Again, doesn't, doesn't negate that question, but there's a beautiful add-on. Imagine with your job or whatever you do that you find fills that role for you. You not only are coming to it thinking, well, what do I love to do? That's a great question. But this is, this is subtle, super important. I'm not only coming to it with, okay, so this is where I sort of find myself coming alive, great. But it's where we look at the purpose and we look at the purpose this job serves and we really look to serve the purpose of that job. That can change. I want to say this really strongly. That can change your whole relationship to work. Just think about that. Right? Because work is kind of this thing that I do. Hopefully it's something I have a little bit of passion around. That's great. And also look at your job and think, okay, what's the actual purpose? Like, what is my job doing out there for people? And if I look at what my job is doing, how do I, how do I serve that purpose within the job and sort of pull that into higher purposes? Wonderful conversation last week, and I was, was talking to someone who's, who's a tech person. We do a lot of computer programming, and I was asking them about, you know, it's a question I always ask, you know, is it a, it is a passion, is it a paycheck, or is it both? And this person said, yeah, I love, I love technology, and, and boy, I would love to figure out a way to help people through technology. How do you help people with technology? Not help them like help desk, but like help them with technology. That's a great question. I mean, do you see that, right? Like, he's seeing that job, and he's going, okay, so here's, here's this job. This job can serve a purpose. How do I discover that purpose and then place my joy there? So, so it actually kind of pulls purpose a little bit further. It, 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 it makes it a little bit greater. It, it sort of leans into it, and, and it can actually reinforce it in a brand new, wonderful, incredible way. Again, and it will change the way you relate to your job. Subtle but important. And the question comes down to, you know, just a real basic question. What is God trying to do through you? And, and too many of the time, right? Too many of us have probably had a bad week. We're thinking, what is God trying to do to me? But, but let's switch it a little bit. Let's switch it a little bit. What is God trying to do through me? And boy, that just, I mean, just even imagine like little interactions with people that you're going to have today and just having that question, yeah, here I am sitting in the giant grocery store in line, wonder what God's trying to do through me here. Just ask the question. See what shows up. That's really the essence of the doctrine of use is asking that question. What is God trying to do through you? What is God trying to do through me? And I look at my job or, my, or whatever it is I'm doing, and, and I try to look at that both from what's inside me as well as whatever role that is outside and try to step into that as best I can. Now, as we, as we do this, folks, and we come to these questions, I want to give a question for people to respond to, both our studio audience here as well as our, our broader online audience. Which is, which is, think of who you're going to consult in that endeavor, right? 
Who, who's going to be your consultant? Is it going to be your soul? Or is it going to be your ego? Is it going to be that part of you that is very selfish? Or that part of you that's very selfless? Because they'll yield different answers. And, and I kind of think, what's coming to my mind, it's kind of silly, but, I, but I, it's interesting the way drones, you hear about drones all the time. And sort of our souls, if our souls were a drone, they kind of go over and they look at territory very differently than our ego would if our ego was a drone looking at the same territory. And I think as we're searching to really come to terms with what is my purpose, I think it's very important to ask, who are you going to ask to ask that question? Are you going to ask your soul to ask that question? Or are you going to ask your ego to ask that question? I think again about having that wonderful conversation with that computer programmer. An ego question with that might be like, well, how much money am I going to make? What's my latest credential? Not necessarily bad questions, but they're not terribly uplifting or inspiring. But that question of wonder, yeah, I'm really good with this technology. How can we get in a conversation of how we can serve people with this? There's a question. Much more inspiring. So here at New Church Live, we do these questions all the time. And you're welcome to look at this question. And you're welcome to text in the answer to me. What does your soul know about purpose that your ego does not? You're welcome to text in an answer to me, and this is the number you can text, 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. So as the musicians come out here for, for our first song, you know, start thinking about, yeah, what, what is this, and how does it work, and how do we find purpose, and okay, so who is my consultant? Where am I going to be asking this question from? So again, would love to hear that answer. What does your soul know about purpose that your ego does not? And last word, folks, welcome. So wonderful to have you here. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning, everyone. We're going to start off with an original song. That kind of ties in what we're talking about today and also... Martin Luther King Day as well. Up until we make a difference, we won't give up, we won't concede. 
Won't you come with me and join the circle? The circle won't be bright as we believe. Oh, we believe. The time is right. It's always right. The time is right to do what's to do what's right. Don't you wanna be a fighter for justice? Don't you wanna be a leader of Thank you so much. It's called Ode to Bernice. Thank you very much, guys. Beautiful song. And, and you know, folks, just thinking about purpose and, and sort of hearing the music of it, right? And it's, it's interesting because there's, it always begs the question, like, of course there's part of you that discovers purpose. Of course there's part of you that's searching for us. I, again, I, I know no one who has ever said my life is too, is too meaningful. I need to have less meaning. It's the same with purpose. My life has too much purpose. I need, no, of course, we all want more purpose. We all want more meaning. And there's a music there, right? And, and there's part of it as we go through this today that I just, I just would ask us all to be open to this. The purpose is every bit as much as your purpose finding you as it is about you finding your purpose. I can remember way back when, you know, my, my first teaching job I ever had was in the Pittsburgh City School system, an inner city school. And I remember, you know, getting into teaching, being all nervous about it, my first classroom out there, and, and, and coming out and coming out and walking down the hall and just like, that was so good after a class where I really felt like it had just, it had just hummed. Yeah, of course, I had pursued teaching because I thought that was my purpose. But beautifully, in God's providence, in God's grace, you know, my purpose had also found me. Found me there at Peabody High School in East Liberty, Pennsylvania. Think about that for a little bit. And allow that to be part of our conversation here as it, as it unfolds. So today we're looking at, you know, what is, what is our spiritual purpose? And the way I, would, way I would phrase spiritual purpose, and I mean, there's so many ways we could look at it, right? What is our spiritual purpose? Humbly bring a little more heaven to this often broken world. These, that's, my, that's how I would hold it. And again, I did a lot of thinking on this. You know, what would it really mean? I, I don't think, I, don't, I think we would get in trouble if our idea was purpose was to, was to think we could change the whole world. There's a few people who have that role. I'm not one of them. Maybe you are. So how do we sort of fit it into a bite-sized piece? Well, I love the idea of, you know, there's a little piece of heaven that you are to bring to life. That's your purpose. And, and here's, here's something to think about. You're to bring a little piece of heaven here to life, to this often broken world. And listen carefully to how I'm going to phrase this, please. Because you're a little piece of heaven. Now, I realize some of you right now are looking around saying, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. You are a little piece of heaven. 
You are a finited form of God's love. Of course, totally screwy most of the time. And you will always be a finited form of God's love that was made by God on purpose. And can we, can we live into that? Can we, can we sort of see that and go like, all right, so how am I going to bring a little heaven here? And it's, it's, it's a humble endeavor. It's not, it's not, again, that fix, help, serve. It's not, a, I'm not here to fix the world. I'm not here necessarily even to help other people, though. We've got to be careful with that. I'm here to serve. It's, it's where, that, where that giftedness is here to serve because fixing and helping is all about us believing we have all the answers but bringing that little bit of heaven is just, I just I, I'm just here to bring an ingredient. I'm here to bring a note. I'm here to bring a part of the song to life. And it's just one part of many. And the world will be less than if we don't bring it. That's why purpose is so important. And again, folks, it's, it's more than just a self-fulfillment project. It's more than just... Um, you know, what do you want to be? I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to describe. There's sort of this, this whole speak that we have in our culture. You know, your job is to, 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 to just find you and do what lights you up. And, and again, it begs the question, what if it's the wrong thing that lights you up? <laughs> you know, that's what religion's about. Religion is about saying, like, how do we take this desire and, and direct it in a way that's actually helpful, that actually will feed our souls, that actually will bring us into who we truly are. That's what spiritual purpose is all about, a little bit of heaven brought to earth by a little bit of heaven that can bring that to life. Hold that for a minute. And think about how that can work in your life. There are people, of course, who just are such shining examples of that. And obviously here today we're thinking about Martin Luther King, given that Martin Luther King Day is tomorrow. I mean, just, just amazing, amazing person. And you can see this is somebody who's just had this, this full sense of embodied purpose. Now... When we have that full sense of embodied purpose, it doesn't happen overnight. Martin Luther King wanted to be an academic. He wanted to teach in college. He really wasn't interested in being Martin Luther King as we would think of Martin Luther King. And that purpose, every bit as much, he found as found him. The man met the moment. The moment met the man. And his stuff still to this day is so, you know, you hear the purpose in it. It's like, wow, how... How inspiring is that? I mean, one, and we've preached on it many times here in New Church Live because I think it's one of the most Christian things we can hold, which is where Martin Luther King in his 10 Rules of Nonviolence said this. He said, what we desire, take a breath here, folks. So important for us to hear this. What we desire is reconciliation, not victory. What we desire is reconciliation, not victory. Just live that on purpose. Beautiful line. And he had many lines like that. So, so I did what most people would do. I, I knew that it's Martin Luther King Day. I knew we're doing a series on purpose. So I Googled Martin Luther King Sermon on Purpose. And he preached on it. 
And it was fascinating taking a look back at this service and looking at the things that, that he found important to point people out as they were trying to find their, their purpose in life. And what he did was he preached on this beautiful line from Matthew 10. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Those are the words of Jesus to his followers. Be gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. Gentle as doves, wise as a serpent. It's this beautiful admixture. So when we have this sense of purpose, the sense of spiritual purpose that's growing in our life, that idea, here's this little bit of heaven I'm supposed to bring to life because, because I have this little bit of heaven and it's, and it's to move out there into the world, it's to make a difference. And he said, yeah, and you have to remember with purpose, the purpose has this very pragmatic element to it. It's to be this both and admixture. It was interesting looking back at these beautiful, we got some beautiful answers I'll be sharing with you folks you know, about what is your soul versus your ego. And somebody, somebody said, you know, my, my soul is, seeks to do more, my ego reminds me I don't always have to do more. That's a good line, right? That's gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. Other people had beautiful answers as well. I mean, really incredible answers. And there's that, that admixture. And the way he said it, the way he said to understand it, I love this line. I would write this down or take a screenshot of it. That we need a tough mind and a tender heart. We need a tough mind and a tender heart. You need a tough mind and a tender heart if you're to live on purpose. And again, that, that word, right, that, that word tough, like we don't, we don't even want to say that. I mean, there's part of me that thinks, wow, that doesn't preach in today's culture. Like we don't talk about having a tough mind. Because we're so into, this is me being a little preachy here for a second, my apologies. Because we're so into just, what do you desire? Let's do that. Again, what if it's the wrong desire? What's going to tell you it's the wrong desire? How are you going to have a tough mind that's able to sort through the really hard decisions that we're all confronted with, that are way beyond just what we desire, but help to support our life and our life of purpose. I love this piece from Christian New Church, you know, this book, True Christian Religion, where Emmanuel Swedenborg writes, and I think tough mind, gentle heart, he said, when these, when these he's talking about when life comes together with love and wisdom, he said, this is where love and wisdom have a real existence. When you marry, and I would marry that with what Martin Luther King is saying, when you have a tough mind, when you have a gentle heart, uh, gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent, we can bring those two together. That's the place where love and wisdom really exist. It really has form. It really can actually move forward into the world. Martin Luther King had both. You, you think of the people who made a difference in the world. They clearly had both. And I want to take a look, folks, here at a list to, to show you, you know, the, the differences between these two. Tough mind, tender heart. That's tough mind there on the left, tender heart there on the right. A tough mind has a sense of responsibility, has this soul-deep resolve. In other words, a tough mind has grit. You know, it kind of sees where it wants to go, and it's just going to keep on pushing that direction. And where does it push? It pushes out. It's driven to look beyond. So it's looking towards the future. It understands that God speaks to us in the horizons he puts before us. 
They understand even, you know, it's about the battle. Like it, it is about this contest. And, and, and a tough mind is willing to struggle with that. And lastly, a critical caveat. But when it's not married to a tender heart, when it's without a tender heart, it can be passionless. This is, this is Martin Luther King's words. It can be passionless, mean, and selfish. If your religion is just tough-minded and it makes you mean, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And I think our lives, if we really believe that we are principled people, but all we are is a tough mind and we're mean, we're missing the point. These things need to be balanced. Wise as a serpent, gentle as doves. The other part, tender heart. Well, what does tender heart give us? Well, tender heart gives us this idea of openness. It, it gives us compassion. It's willing to allow things in because, because now we're open. So, so now other people's pain and suffering actually can enter our heart. It's why, and I think this is so important, if we're doing the spiritual path in the way God has asked us to do it, please remember, your heart will break even more, not less. Because you're open. And you understand compassion. A word that literally means to suffer with. That's what the tender heart does. It's driven to love fiercely. It's about care. And again, important caveat. These are Martin Luther King's words again. Without a tough mind... All a tender heart is, is it's sentimental, aimless, and empty. Sentimental, aimless, and empty. We need to have this both and at work in our lives. And that's why Jesus uses that phrase. Now, folks, are there Bible stories that deal with this? Yes, there are. One of those most famous ones is the story of the Good Samaritan. And with this story of, of the Good Samaritan, the way, the way this story works, I'm going to read the end of the story because probably most of you are somewhat familiar with it. There's this road and this man, this Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, that was deliberately picked when Jesus tells this story because Samaritans were denigrated sort of as a less than people. And we all have that, right? And it doesn't matter what, whatever. We, some people just, they're less than and, and that's, that's, sad, that's sad, but it's part of the human condition, part of the tribalism that's part of, part of our world. And, and here's the story of the Good Samaritan, and here's this Samaritan, this person who was less than. They're traveling down this road, and, and one, of the, one of the beautiful parts of the story is that all, all these, well, so back up here, traveling down this road, and they observe this person who's been mugged, essentially just lying by the side of the road. And all these people are just passing by, one of which, and this is the part of the story that makes, makes me smile, you know, being a pastor, is one of the people who comes down is a, is a clergy member, a religious professional from the time, who's actually coming from Jerusalem, in other words, coming from church, and he passes this, he's like, nothing to see, we're just moving right along. And yet the Samaritan stops. The Samaritan remembers people are never interruptions. The Samaritan in this painting cares for this person. 
Now that's a tender heart. Where does a tough mind show up in this? Well, it shows up in this beautiful line here. It comes at the end of the story. Then he put the man, put this person who'd been mugged, on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus closes this with just saying, you know, here's the moral of the story. Go and do likewise. You see, folks, there's this beautiful part to this story that, that has this, this, this sort of this tough mind to it. Like, here's the practical element. And here's this person serving that practical element. Not just sentimental, like, oh, I just, I'm sorry you're hurt. I'm going to suffer with you. But actually, he's willing to take the practical steps that it takes to really help people. It's so important. Little mini aside here. Social media, folks, changes nothing for the most part. And it's easy to confuse taking a step with pressing a like button. Or taking a step being sharing an article. Nothing wrong with those, right? But if we're really going to have that tough mind part, there's things we have to do. We actually have to take a step. We have to financially support things. We have to support things with our time, with, with, with our effort, with our love. It actually has this practical, this very practical element to it. And we're not, we're, not, we're not off the hook with that stuff. So when we come back to that, folks, so, so Martin Luther King, you know, he, he talks about this story, and it's interesting, you know, reading through this sermon, and I'm thinking, yeah, and, and there's so many parts of this sermon that, that kind of get juxtaposed, and with his life and the whole idea of that we need a, a tender heart and, and as well like this, this tough mind. And I want to share with you now a picture that I've used several times here at Nutrients Live because it's such a poignant, like this picture, every time I look at this picture, it just grabs me. Because I think this is so much the, 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 the human condition. Now take a look at this picture here, folks. So Martin Luther King was leading a, a march over the bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. And he's leading them across this bridge. And at the other end of the bridge are state troopers led by Bull Connor. I know that because I used to teach American history. <laughs> and, and it's just such a fascinating picture, right? One of the parts I'd never seen in this picture until just a few years ago, when I actually used this as a linchpin for a sermon, was the idea that there's really three groups of people here. Now let's just move left to right. So on the left, clearly there's this tough-minded tough part. Like, these people were tough. I mean, look at their hands. Notice their hands. That's the tough mind. Like, there's no heart there. There's just the law, period. Big fan of Les Mis, the Broadway show. 
that person in the Broadway show who's chasing Jean Valjean, Jobert, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, if you're a fan of that Broadway show, uses all kinds of religious language to, to, to excuse his righteousness and to excuse his, his overzealous pursuit and punishment of other people. Again, if religion is used and sort of co-opted to be all about the, the punishment of others and the, the pursuit in a bad way, the pursuit and punishment of others, we've missed the mark. It doesn't mean those people are now, you know, evil or whatever. It just means that's off the mark. What's the word for off the mark in Greek, folks? Anybody know? The word sin. Sin means off the mark. That's sin. That's sin. All right, now moving from that. Now on the back there, what you have is you have all these people in the back. By the way, that would have been me. You know, sort of wishing that, yeah, I wish this wasn't happening. You feel really uncomfortable about it. This isn't good. This isn't good. But I'm just going to watch. We're going to look at a famous quote, one of the more famous ones in American presidential history, a reference to timid souls. I think those are the timid souls back there. They may want to be part of it. They may want to be standing with the marchers, hopefully not wanting to stand with the police. But they don't have the courage to do that. I would argue they didn't have the sense of purpose to do that. And then we have the people over on the right. God, it just makes me a little teary even looking at them. Folks, what struck me about this picture years ago was look at their hands. Look at their hands. We desire reconciliation, not victory. It's easy to look at the marchers who are about to have the you-know-what beat out of them by the police and to think somehow that's weak. Somehow all the strength is on the left and all the weakness is on the right. Friends, what I would share with you is nothing could be further from the truth. When we have a tough mind, I think those people on the right have a tough mind because they had a real sense of purpose. And it was a purpose, folks, a spiritual purpose, a deep spiritual purpose that all men are created equal. This deep purpose. And that purpose had so much forethought that the vision for that purpose didn't end right where those police batons were. It was a purpose that actually looked beyond, that looked through, that looked to the future, that was so anchored way out there you know, as Martin Luther King would say, the promised land, I may not make it there with you. But I've seen the promised land. These people had seen it. That's why they had that sense of purpose. Because they weren't anchored in the violence of the moment. They were anchored in something far more spiritual, far greater than themselves, that of course was going to pull them beyond. And help them to deal with what was, what was just would have been a terrifying day. I mean, really, folks, think about it. Your hands in your pocket. 
And here's a whole battalion of police officers with batons and horses and guns and tear gas. The only way someone survives that is if they can manage to come from a higher purpose. And what happens when you combine, when you combine, you know, those, those things, that idea of, of a tough mind, a gentle heart, when, when, you, when you combine those two, what do you end up with? You end up with a fierce love. C.S. Lewis famously said, you know, God's love, like we, we make it way too hazy. Now, God's love is actually pretty fierce. It's pretty courageous. It makes a difference out there into the world. So folks, think about this. Think about how this spiritual purpose can really look in your life. How you might be able to live into it. Like, where is that for you where you can marry the two and take a fierce love that's driven by purpose forward as a way to change the world, but with a humble form of service? A humble way of leaning in. A humble way of making a difference. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all Imagine there's no countries It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for And no division to Imagine all I wonder if you care No need for greed or hunger A 
I hope someday you will join us And the world will be as one Well, you may say that I'm a dreamer But I'm not the only one I hope someday you will join I hope someday you will join us and the world will be as New Church Live, it's Angela. I just want to invite you all to consider making a donation to New Church Live. Your donations support all the things that happen here, like our upcoming small group on What Is My Purpose, which launches next week, and there's more room in both groups meeting on Wednesday and Thursday evenings. Just go to the events tab on our website, and there's more details there. We hope you'll consider supporting this and all the other upcoming initiatives. We rely on your generosity, and it's really important. So if you want to make a donation, all you have to do is text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977, or go to our website and make a donation there. We hope you'll consider making a donation today. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Ange. Folks, that's, you know, that song, I mean, my goodness. I mean, every sermon, actually, no joke, we use the same sermon chart every week, obviously filled in differently, but, but it always ends with this reminder, you know, imagine. It's always the last section of a sermon. Because I think that's the invitation, right? The invitation to imagine, to dream, to maybe lean into more of what our, what our souls really know to be true. I want to close just by, just by sharing some of those things, folks, because that's where we find purpose. You know, know what your soul knows. Understand that bit of, yeah, our spiritual purpose is, is to bring a little bit of heaven to earth via our little bit of heaven that we are. And, and folks, you know, oh, man, it makes me just teary. It, it always amazes me. Like, it amazes me what people know. I mean, it just is mind-blowing. What people know about this stuff, what you know about this stuff. And our job together is, is to just join in community and to just live it as best as we can. Listen to some of these answers, and we got a bunch of them. I'm not going to be able to read them all, but just listen to a bunch of these. This was a pretty fun one. My soul has no problem assuming the role of a spiritual guide. My ego questions my credentials. Oh, um, knows what my soul knows about purpose, and my ego does not, is that it's not about money or self-fulfillment evil, even. I think somehow that our purpose is to reach out and help, comfort, and generally be cheerleaders for others. There are days when that feels very hard to do, though. Some days it's easier to listen to the ego, who always wants its own gratification. Beautifully said. This is very simply said and very accurate. You, your soul knows who you truly are. 
And there's somebody listening right now who needs to hear that. Another person writes, my purpose has changed over time. It used to be about what I wanted to achieve in life, some of it based on survival, but also driven by ego. At 52, my purpose has shifted to being a vessel for our kids and helping others where I'm guided to do so in any way I can show up for them. Here's a little aside. It's a beautiful aside. So the word vessel, um, oftentimes it gets translated, uh, you know, that, that when we talk about vessels and being receiving vessels for God's love, gets, gets translated almost like it's a, it's a pot or a bowl. The real accurate translation, though, is that it's a blood vessel. See the difference? You know, as, as this person said, it's being, being a vessel means how do you allow it to flow through? What is God trying to do through me? My soul knows my purpose is to love and to help everyone I meet in this life. But my, oh, this is good. But my ego is too worried about being hurt if I open up to others and wants me to close off the world. Again, it tries to collapse our perspective. Someone from Florida writes, my soul knows that it needs no praise from giving of, of itself and my ego wants the recognition. It's good. My soul, knows, huh, my soul knows that I'm loved unconditionally. My ego believes it's all conditional. And then he credits his wife. Good man. I have recently become intensely aware of my role in a codependent relationship. Obviously, I've been consulting with my ego over this. Helping too much and to my own detriment. Need to start consulting with my soul. It will help me see things much more clearly. It's beautifully said, right? And that's, that, that's that, that tough mind part. Everything is about the person you are blessed to meet today. Can you make someone else's past better by what you give them today? That's beautiful. That is deep soul knowledge. My soul knows that I was led to help other people. My ego thinks I should be in charge of them. All control enthusiasts raise their hand. My soul knows my purpose is to try to help people. My, my ego tells me it's time to slow down. I need to find balance. Beautifully said. Because there are parts that the ego plays that are actually important. My soul knows how to build in a life in a meaningful way, in a way my ego does not, right? And, and that's beautifully said there, my friend, in, in that building a meaningful life. A meaningful life is, this is just a little aside, I think a meaningful life is able to be interrupted. It's going to allow for the interruptions like the Good Samaritan story. My soul knows purpose is exciting, fun, and makes the days fly past. Yeah, you know, that's really good. Thank you, Michigan, for sending that in. You know, that's really beautiful, right? Because, because folks, like, if you're religious, you've heard me say this, but if you have any first-time attenders, I'm going to say it for the hundredth time. Most people know just enough religion to make them miserable. And... And you should know enough that it's actually fun. Like, Jesus is funny. He's really funny. And, and, and we need to have fun. Like, that should, be, that should be so much infused with our view of, of faith and purpose and all those things. This is beautiful. Your soul knows you need to see your kids grow up more than you need overtime dollars. So true. Another person writes, being completely selfless with your motives. And isn't it interesting, like with that selflessness, when we're in our purpose, and I say, this, I say this to people all the time, I can't particularly live it, but I think it's true. We stop asking the question, am I being selfish or selfless in this situation? Because we just are doing. Like the questions just disappear, and we're just into our usefulness. 
So that was a bunch of good ones. There's a bunch more out there too. So thank you folks for sharing that. And again, for our, for our online audience, uh, if you're watching this later, as most people do now, please feel free to text me. I always love to hear these things, even weeks later. It's wonderful to hear what people are thinking about. So, so friends, as, as we get to this, we get to the end of the sermon here. What does your soul know about purpose that your ego does not? Well, I think you heard some beautiful parts in there, and may that inspire you. May that give you a sense of a spiritual, a spiritual purpose, an imagination, one where you're going to the right consultant. And I want to close with, with one of the most used quotes, but it's one of the most used ones in American, in American culture because it's so good. I think this is part of what your soul knows about having a tough mind and a tender heart. This is courtesy of Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the very best in the end the triumph, knows the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails, why daring greatly, so that his place shall never be known among those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. A life of purpose is what will move us beyond being those timid souls. It'll move us to hard places. It'll move us to places of sacrifice, of challenge, but also of beauty, meaning, grace, and most significantly of purpose. Friends, you have a purpose. You were made on purpose. Let that discovery, you know, add light and life and fun to your life. And allow that purpose both to be found by you and for it to find you. And most significantly, friends, the last word, live it. Live it. In ways big and small, live it. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to shift in to the end of our service here. So I want to start out first by thanking all of you for joining us, either in person with our studio audience or online, either on our podcast or on the various platforms we stream to. I do want to, again, remind you that there's an invite here, an invite to our small group program. Again, if you're interested in that, it's a wonderful program. You're welcome to sign up for it either Wednesday or Thursday nights. And, and again, if you're watching this months from now, again, you can, we'll have something else going on. We got, we're going to have a book club coming up in a few months. So we're going to be posting pretty soon. Lots of opportunities, not just to see this stuff as, as like knowledge, but actually to see it as knowledge at which, around, which community can, around which community can form and converse. And what I'm going to do now, folks, is now we're going to offer a prayer. Now, now here, today's prayer is going to be a little bit different. Because the first part of the prayer is for this. 
It's for one of our congregants, Stephanie. We'll be going, hopefully, into surgery today, maybe even as we speak. And our family called this morning and said, Chuck, could we say a prayer together as the New Church Live congregation? And granted, as a pastor, you can never say, well, hell yes, we can. We'll say, heaven, yes, we can. And because uh, this, is, this is important. It's important that we support each other as we go through the inevitable challenges of life. So please join me in prayer. Prayer for Stephanie first. So Lord, we're offering up our prayers here today. A prayers for a successful surgery, for gentle holding, and for tender, tender care. For your way, for your life, for your grace to fill this family and to fill all of us. Fill all of us full with your spirit of love. Thank you, Lord. Be with her this day. And Lord, we also ask that we can live into a deeper sense of purpose, real spiritual purpose, where we're able to look from our ego and away, sorry, sorry about that, able to look from our soul and not just our ego, able to look from our soul to what we are really called to give, knowing that, that from our soul we give and we give, as was beautifully said, selflessly, abundantly, freely, with no expectation of return, just an expectation of the gift being given with open hands. Allow us to live that, Lord, as best we can, as humbly as we can, keeping in mind that we're to bring this little piece of heaven onto earth and that's not some foreign language. That actually is our true self. That actually is our native tongue. Our native tongue is that little bit of heaven that we are, that we are here to share, that we're here to connect, that we're here to give. Help us to do that, Lord, in any way that we are called, in any way that you call us. And Lord, finally, help us to imagine, to dream. Dream of the world that Martin Luther King saw we all know that we're one, that there's this beautiful oneness that we all share, this grace, this peace, this part that can understand the words of Martin Luther King, that it's always and forever about reconciliation, not victory. Lord, guide our ways this week. Bring us home as always. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And a last Levitican blessing, thousands of years old, but a true blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Enjoy the week, friends.
Sun illuminate the words that you cannot find. Reaching for something in the distance, so close you can almost taste it. Release your inhibitions, feel the rain on your skin. No one else can feel it for you, only you can let it in. No one else, no one else can speak the words on your lips. Drench yourself in words unspoken. Live your life with arms wide open. Today is. Begins the rest is still unwritten. I break tradition. Sometimes my tries are outside the lines. We've been conditioned to not make mistakes. The blank page before you. Open up the dirty window. Let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find. Reaching for something in the distance, so close you can almost taste it. Release your inhibitions. Feel the rain on your skin. No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. No one else, no one else can speak the words on your lips. Drench yourself in. Words unspoken. Live your life with arms wide open. Today is where your book begins. The rest is celebrity. Thanks, everybody. Take good care. See you very soon.